Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Purple Insider is presented by Liquid Death, delicious water that's bringing death to plastic. Learn more at liquiddeath.com slash insider. Another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, a return guest to the show. The last time he was on, we named random New York Jets quarterbacks. Will Parkinson, I do hundreds of episodes, but I didn't forget that one. Turn on the Jets podcast, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. What is up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're talking about uh, Jets and Vikings playoff teams going head to head. Um, so can't really uh, can't really complain, right? I mean, this is kind of we didn't expect it, but at the end of the day, uh, this is where we are, and we're gonna be enjoying not looking at Tankathon for another six or seven weeks. No, that's right. That is right. I have not clicked on that website a single time so far this year. And it's been a while since it's been late November and you have not been looking at where the Jets will be drafting. However, I mean, considering we did talk about all the funny quarterback situations that had happened in the past. I mean, we have to begin there with Mike White. Give me give me a comp. Is there a Mike White comparable situation? The only one I can think of for the Jets, this is going way back, but I'm sure you'll know it, is when Vinny Testaverde got hurt, and then it was like Rick Meyer, the punter played a game, Ray Lucas, and they kind of went 500 with Bill Parcells, but they were still like a good and competitive team, and they were there all the way to the end, had a great defense, and you didn't want to face that team despite the weird quarterback situation. Uh, the more apt comparison maybe is Mark Sanchez, where it's a dominant defense with very spotty quarterback play. Um, but the fact that it's the but it's, but the fact that it's not even the starter though. At least Sanchez was the starter. Is there a Jets comparison for what is going on? So I get Robert saw me this comparison that's an interesting one and. Everyone that follows me knows I am not a Russell Wilson person, but uh, he made the comparison to they paid all this money to Matt Flynn. Everything's invested in Matt Flynn and they draft Russell Wilson third into the third round. Mike White was a fifth round pick, but just for the comparison, dominant defense, dominant running game, really well coached. And Russell Wilson kind of was able to do enough, get the ball into these guys' hands and I don't hate that comparison just from the aspect of they, you know, the Jets have all this invested in Zach Wilson. You know, you want to stick with him as long as you can, but there's just a guy that's playing better than him right now. It's better for the team. So that was one comparison I saw. I saw Mark Brunel comparison of just like a later round guy. Dak as well, those type of players. I'm not saying he's that level. It's just, it's like the player that's, you know, the day two, day three pick that kind of just beats out the guy that, you know, maybe was supposed to be the guy. Jets wise, the Ray Lucas one's interesting. I guess I would, comparison wise, in terms of style of play, he's very Chad Pennington in terms of, Really good footwork, good eyes, smart with the football, um, gets the got you know, gets it in the playmaker's hands. He's more athletic than Chad Pennington is, probably has a better arm, uh, but very much similar in terms of Mike White started four games in the NFL. Now I think he's 69 or 68 or 69 percent completion. Um, you know, more turnovers than Chad maybe would have had, but at the end of the day, you know, 
50% of those came against the Bills last year. So I guess from a Mike White perspective, I would say Jets comparison-wise, it's style of play more towards Chad. Uh, but I guess your Ray Lucas comparison does, you know, and that team does make a lot of sense. The backup guy, the unheralded kind of smaller school, not Rutgers, a small school, but for comparison. Um, but I like the Robert Sala one that he used with Russell Wilson of just those early Legion of Boom teams where the quarterback just needed to kind of get out of the way and just get the ball out, you know, when it is needed and be a little bit clutch and be the mature adult in the, in the huddle. Um, and it feels like right now you saw it's one game, but you saw it a little bit last year. This team loves playing for him. And I'm sure this is before the let's ride and, uh, and Sierra stuff with Russell Wilson. So it makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Fame is like a brain disease for some people. Just ask Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that can really mess with you. It seems, but it is sort of funny though, when the coach is like, Hey, you know, like the best third round pick quarterback ever. That's kind of like who our guy is. Uh, I go, well, I don't know. That might be a little aggressive, but it is really interesting to me to have a quarterback that is supposed to just keep the train on the tracks and keep everything moving. And a Vikings comparison to this would be Case Keenum a couple years ago. Vikings had the number one defense in the league. They had two elite wide receivers, a very good running game, a good offensive coordinator and just needed Case Keenum to make a few plays per game, and it got them all the way to the NFC Championship via miracle. But, you know, I think that I, I do think that there's probably something closer there because of the physical skill. Like Russell Wilson, I mean, is kind of, I mean, even, even Ray Lucas, like physically skilled, way more talented than someone like Mike White. But we have seen that it's possible when you have a great team around you to just deliver the football. I don't know if it can win you a Super Bowl, but it certainly makes the New York Jets a team that are much more dangerous. And I was talking about on the show the other day, I think this is a really bad break for the Vikings to face a competent quarterback versus a twerp who doesn't know what he's doing in Zach Wilson. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You mentioned, um, you know, a lot of Jets fans of this week have pointed to the 2017 Eagles where I know Carson Wentz was really good that year and I'm not taking anything away from him, but the roster was so good around him that it was like, can Nick Foles just like, you know, stay, you know, stay, be a steady everyone. He's the more loved guy in the locker room. It is kind of an interesting comparison, honestly, with Wentz and Zach. There's a lot of similarities of kind of the super talented, smaller school guy that, not really that well-liked in the locker room, it seems like. And then you look at Foles, who's like, you know, the most well-liked quarterback probably, <laughs> it feels like ever, based on, you know, wherever he goes. And Mike White's incredibly likable, down-to-earth guy. It's like, it does feel like, from a Jets perspective, the different energy they played with last week was, yes, it's the Bears. I, I get all that. It was also a monsoon outside. And the Jets have been, had a, when you ever adventure quarterback in New York, it's an absolute, like, firestorm of just criticism and all that stuff and the Jets were the lead you know for benching Zach Willis on every single major you know media market for five straight days and sometimes it's hard when a Bears team comes in everyone's expecting the Jets the Jets are favored it's a big rainstorm all this stuff's happening and you just expected them to kind of all right this is where you know they don't put the foot on the gas too too late and they, they slip up here similar to what New England did against Chicago a couple weeks ago and they play really they play it feels like they play harder for Mike White. It feels like they have more fun. He gets them the ball. Dan Orlovsky posted a clip earlier. Seems like a very basic thing. And and you know, most of most people's eyes, oh, it's a check down. He went through four reads pretty quickly, got the ball out, and they gained 15 yards on second and one instead of holding it, taking a sack, which is what kept happening with Zach. Um there's just a lot of differences. There's too many playmakers here. You mentioned that, you know, the Vikings that Vikings team. There are so many playmakers on this Jets team. You know, Garrett Wilson's 
I don't know if he'll ever be Justin Jefferson, but that's like the play style in which, you know, can play outside, play in the slot, very you know shifty and all that different stuff. Great route runner. Um, Garrett Wilson's been amazing every game Zach Wilson hasn't played. <laughs> and Elijah Moore has been awesome every game Zach Wilson has. Like it's, it is crazy to think about. They have all these different weapons and nobody was really eating when Zach was in. And now that the first game he's out, rainstorm or not, after he complained about the wind the week prior, they go score 31 points easy. The Jets could have put up 50 last week. They took their foot off the gas. It felt like pretty quickly into that third quarter. Um, inside we'll see I mean Mike White's only played one road game and it was for a quarter and he looked really good against the Colts and then he gets hurt and um you know and the rest is kind of history so I'm interested I do think the Vikings caught a bad break here I think if Zach Wilson's starting everyone's picking the Vikings I think um I feel like this game's a toss-up personally I know we'll get to that but it's this isn't the best matchup for the Vikings in terms of um you know where they want to go with the football and what they want to do, especially defensively too. I feel like it's not the best matchup, but we'll see obviously as uh, if we break it down a little bit. Yeah. We'll definitely get to sauce Gardner versus Justin Jefferson, because this is like, put it on the marquee for this matchup. And uh, Trayvon Diggs was helped out by a lot of sacks that Kirk cousins couldn't throw the ball, but that could very well happen this week as well. So we'll, we'll talk about that, but the Zach Wilson thing is captivating here because uh, you have a guy who played in a weird COVID season in college and had what, like no fans and also basically no defenses that he played. And I think that there's a ton of arm talent there for him, but also he thinks he has more arm talent than he does. And uh, somebody made this point. I think it was maybe Matt Hasselback on TV the other day. It was like, he seems to think he's Mahomes, but he can't even play like he's a backup or something. And that's with Mike White. When, when you hear coaches say, well, you know, he gets the ball out. It's like the most sort of like goes in one ear and out the other. Oh, no, that's a big deal. <laughs> because when you see quarterbacks who can't play, they don't believe in the throws. and They don't just get the ball into the playmaker's hands. And that's what Mike White can do. It's what Mac Jones did last week for 382 yards against the Vikings. So it is a little scary for the Vikings defense that's still going to be somewhat banged up. Uh, I don't think Dantzler's coming back. Not really sure on a Caleb Evans. Uh, they'll get Delvin Tomlinson back against the run, but still the secondary has been spotty all year. Someone who gets the ball out might have a lot of success. But on Wilson's side, I guess what's your read? I mean, you uh, were a collegiate football player, so uh, you've got some experience of being in the huddle. I, I guess I wonder what you think of that, because from my perspective as a reporter, you can't solve lack of self-awareness. You just can't teach lack of self-awareness or self-awareness in general. Like the, the Vikings had this with Laquan Treadwell, where Laquan Treadwell was a pretty talented player and a lot of people made it about, oh, his 40 time or whatever else. No, it wasn't his 40 time. It was the fact that the guy didn't understand what he needed to do and wouldn't listen to anybody. Like that that was really the problem. It was a lack of self-awareness. I see with Zach Wilson, I'm like, that's not just grow up a little. That's grow up a ton. That's you're a toddler and you need to be a, an adult here. I mean, that's I think it's pretty disturbing stuff. And it's kind of like he has almost like a little bit of a Josh Rosen uh, element to him. I mean, I, I think that it's beyond just, hey, this looks kind of rough in his second year. Like you're not even a rookie. If he was doing this stuff as a rookie, I'd let it go. But I, I'm not ready to quite call it, but I'm almost ready to call it. Yeah, so I guess – couple of things kind of what you finished on unless something unless Mike White just absolutely poops himself the next two games which I I just don't foresee that happening 
maybe up in Buffalo. If they get flexed, we'll see. I doubt that that game's going to get flexed. But he goes up to Buffalo in bad weather and doesn't play well or something and is only okay against the Vikings. He'll still get – because the two games the Jets have is at Minnesota, at Buffalo. If you're a Jets fan, you're hoping they split that. But then they have Detroit and and Jacksonville in a course of four days, both at home. So – like, whatever happens, it's a soft landing spot. The Vikings, as you mentioned, their pass defense has been very bad, um, at least statistically. I don't think – I think they've been situationally good. Like, the Buffalo game is a perfect example. They got torched, but in the times they needed Patrick Peterson to make a big play or, you know, Harrison Smith and stuff, they still can – they still have that star talent that can do it. Um, the Zach thing is tough. I, I don't – I don't think he's playing this year. Again, I just – I'm not sure if the Jets are winning. Why are they going to make a move there? I guess the argument could be that they were winning somewhat with Zach. They were winning in spite of Zach a majority of the games. The Pittsburgh game is the only game you could really point to where he was a very big driving force and why they won. Even the Miami game, you know, Zach put up decent numbers. You know, he was fine. Um, they still won that game by 30 points. So it's not like <laughs> you didn't have to do that much. Um, Green Bay, they won in spite of them. Denver, they won in spite of them. Um, so it's just been – it's hard for you, hard for me to say like they should put Zach back in there. He's not even active right now. I'm not sure how he's going to fix the things. I think what they're trying to do is protect his value long term. Um, all the stuff came out about the yips and the playbook stuff all came out at the same time. That's not by accident. Um, they're not going to sit there and be like Zach's not the guy. He sucks. You know that's just not the way the NFL works. Um, and Robert Sala is kind of. He's been a really good. He's done a really good job of learning from mistakes when he's made mistakes at pressers and things like that. Um, earlier in the year, he they asked him about Zach Wilson. Would he be the starter no matter what? He said he's a starter no matter what unless he gets hurt. Obviously, three weeks later, he benches Zach Wilson. So this time, he's going with the approach of it's day to day. You know, every week will be different. This week's Mike White. Um, if the Jets win or it's even a close game and Mike White plays somewhat decently, he'll be the starter against the Bills. In which now that's you know. The Jets three games in the last two years where they've put up 30-plus points to 450 yards. Uh, Mike White's been the starter all three games. That has never happened in a Zach Wilson start um, where they've put up that number, that level of offense, especially yardage-wise. So, um, yes, this maturity stuff is tough. I, I don't like, – as you mentioned, I don't know that you become this like – it's hard to kind of – and then you become almost come off as a fake leader if, as things kind of progress. You've seen that with – um, yeah, I felt like that a little bit in the beginning with Kirk. I felt like it was, but then he realized that, like, you look back and it, it is just everywhere he goes, that has kind of been his thing. He's just a little quirky and, and that type of stuff. Guys like him. I felt like that with Wentz. I know I've, I've pointed that comp a little bit. We've seen that multiple times now, multiple teams where you say all the right things, you do all the right things probably publicly, but are you really that charismatic, good leader behind the scenes? I don't know. I think guys like Zach. I, I just think that, liking someone as a person and like whatever it is, that's fine. But do you like the way they perform in the football field and carry themselves? And um, this is not the, this was not the first time Zach deflected blame last year against Miami. The Jets had a, a stinker offensively. The defense kept them in it. That was a bad Jets team, obviously. And they asked Zach, you know, do you, have to, do you need to do more? No. Um, and people were like, okay. And then it was like, you know, he, he made the call on a fourth down against the Bucks that the Jets should have won the game easily. He makes the wrong call. They lose the game. And it was like, not really a lot of accountability there. People were pretty pissed about that. He blamed the win the other day. They're just, it's a lot of, it's just like a lot of excuse making for a guy. If you've heard this reference, I'm sure you've said it before. And everyone's heard this, like you can be annoying or not talented. You can't be you can't or not perform well. You can't not perform well and be annoying. Like people are like, you can't do it right. Like Aaron Rodgers might be annoying, but for his entire career, he's performed 
at the highest possible level. Tom Brady, same thing. Like they might be annoying, but they get it done. Or, you know, you have the opposite side of things where, you know, teammates love Mac Jones and whatever. And even if he's not great, like <laughs> they're going to follow him. So, um, yeah, I don't, I just don't see Zach playing again this year unless something catastrophic or an injury happens over the next couple of weeks. Because once you get to week 15, if the Jets are eight, you know, they're eight and four or eight and five with two winnable games at home, you're going to bench them, like Mike White again. Like that doesn't make any sense. So um, I think you'll see Mike White the rest of the year. I have no idea. One of, I assume one of Zach Wilson or Mike White will be the backup next year and compete and quote unquote compete in camp with a Jimmy G, Derek Carr. Maybe a golf, something, maybe a lower level Minshew golf type. If White really is the guy, but Zach Wilson will not be the shoe and starter for the Jets next year unless something crazy happens. He comes back in and lights the world on fire, which I don't think is going to happen. Folks, the more I talk about liquid death here on the show, the more I'm starting to see it everywhere. Just the other day, I was watching a chess tournament presented by Liquid Death, and at first glance, it looked like the players might have been playing drunk chess with beers, but no, that is Liquid Death Mountain Water in the Tall Boy Can. The reason that this delicious water comes in such a large can is because they're trying to bring death to plastic. Most plastics still end up in landfills because they are not profitable to recycle, unlike aluminum but Liquid Death is giving 10% of their profits to end plastic bottles. The best part for you, of course, is that it gets colder faster than plastic in the refrigerator too. So check it out. It's your local grocery store water aisle at Hy-Vee, Target, Whole Foods, and lots of other stores. You can see them at liquiddeath.com insider. That's liquiddeath.com insider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, it kind of has like Christian Ponder vibes here a little bit where it was just like a failure to launch altogether. Like maybe there was a little flash here there where they thought something could happen and it wasn't the biggest accountability guy. And then it really got in Christian Ponder's head, like the the criticism. And I mean, you know, we talk about the New York thing and it's probably a little overrated. I'm so glad time, you just but- brought that up. On Friday, before the Patriots game, I don't know if you saw this clip, someone asked him, do you still think he said people outside this building don't know what they're talking about? And then pointed to a reporter and said, why aren't you a coach? Yes. And then threw for 77 yards. You can't do that. <laughs> right. Yes. So. I saw that. I saw that. And I was like, that is a, that's all. That's actually maybe a bigger red flag than the other thing, because after games, people are really upset, you know, especially with a loss and like jerky comments after games happen kind of a lot, but that was like a Wednesday or something. And you're just like, Oh, who are, who are you? You stupid little reporter. You're like, who are you? It's actually kind of the Baker Mayfield thing where it's just like, wait, you're like hammering. Yeah, I'd love reporter. to come boo you at your desk. Like, yeah, well, I don't get paid $20 million a year to play football. So um, you can boo me at my desk. If I'm doing a bad job, that's I'll get fired. That if, but the thing is like, Man, the, your quarterback in the NFL, can you not like if if there's one lesson that every person who ever comes through should learn from Kirk Cousins, he has been 
you know, hit with every criticism there is. And a lot of them have truth to them, but like primetime Kirk overpaid, whatever, every game that they lose in primetime, the next day ESPN spends their whole day hammering Kirk cousins, which again is totally fair. It's the NFL. It's like drawing 40 million people to a dang giants game, but like, and Cowboys, but like, if you can't take that, which most human beings can't, a lot of a lot of people don't want to be criticized. But if you can't take that, especially in New York, but just in general in the NFL, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. I mean, even look across town, and I don't believe in the Giants at all, but Daniel Jones has been slammed up and down left and right, and the guy just keeps going out there, and, and you know he's finally got them to win some games. Like There's a lot of quarterbacks you can look to who survived in the league basically because they could deal with it as opposed to melting. And to me, that was like the bit, the clearest sign when he said that to the reporter, like, Oh, this dude is melting. It's interesting. I I didn't realize the Vikings could clinch the division this week, which is nuts. Um, Which is nuts to think about. Yeah, no, look, um, I agree. It's just, there's such a maturity that quarterback feels so mental to me. You know, we've seen guys again, everyone's had this argument and not to sound cliche, but like Tom Brady is talented, but he is not the most talented quarterback ever. Obviously. Um, you know, I don't know that Peyton, Man- Peyton Manning was great because of his, his, the fundamentals that he was incredible at that. He was smarter and, you know, made decisions with the football. He wouldn't have this. I mean, he was obviously super talented as well. Everyone in the NFL is talented. Like that's, that's the thing that drives you nuts, right? You look at, you know, any sport, baseball, basketball, maybe it's, a little bit different but it's still kind of the similar thing where like you know Andrew Wiggins was the most talented guy just didn't get it for a long time and now that there's no pressure on him you know I just I don't know if New York's the right place for Zach um you know we we throw out the hypotheticals of you know Derek Carr maybe you know Zach gets to compete you know somewhere in Vegas or somewhere like that where yeah it's the flashy kind of market but it's not there's not the pressure of New York New York's every single day you know, I've joked about this on my show. The worst thing that happened to Zach this summer was was all the headlines with with the moms and all that stuff. Worst thing that could have happened to him because he started to play what better at the end of the year last year. Wasn't great, but he was still he was improving. You saw a tangible improvement from games one through seven or whatever, one through six through games, uh, you know, seven through thirteen. I guess he started last year. Like there was a tangible improvement. You felt better about it. And all offseason, yes, there was the stuff with the yips and whatever, but you felt like there was, he put on a bunch of muscle, he was working hard, you, you heard some good quotes from people, some zip on the ball, more command of the huddle, all that stuff. And then right before camp, boom, the story drops, which makes him this celebrity person that everyone, you know, he's the MILF hunter and all that stuff. And all that, it was all funny. And it was great for Twitter and it's great for the locker room and stuff. But it puts this pressure on you that now you're in New York and you have a controversy maybe not controversy, uh, you know, a story about you and, and women. It's like, this isn't going to go well. And then if you play like crap, it's like, it just adds to the, oh, this guy's a distraction. Um, you know, meanwhile, Mike White's getting, you know, oh, he's taking his twins to the doctor on a Tuesday. Like, yeah, I mean, like that's, it's unfortunate sometimes, but that those are, these are the things that play into a narrative with quarterbacks and, you know, Vikings fans are like the Kirk stuff in Washington was funny um, with the, you know, you like that and stuff, but, in Minnesota, it's they're winning football games, and that's why it's a big deal on the plane with the chains on stuff. It's not because it's not some shtick that like is funny. It's it's funny because they're winning, and you can enjoy it. Um, Kirk's also playing really well and has put up a lot better numbers to his career than and most quarterbacks, whether he gets a lot of heat or not. So I agree with you. I just think some guys are made for New York, and some aren't. We see it in baseball all the time. With the Yankees, um, you know, Josh Allen's not made for New York. Couldn't handle booing, and even if he's at the end of his career. He's a guy that's probably better in Toronto or Minnesota. That's just – that happens sometimes. Um, 
the Jets are a passionate fan base. Anyone with the Twitter handle understands that. Um, but yeah, I think I just don't think it's. Maybe I'm wrong, but as reading the tea leaves, it feels like it's over, um, which is crazy. Twenty starts in. Yeah. Well, Josh Donaldson was soft here, so <laughs> guys, guys, the guys are the worst. And and I try and and having grown up in Buffalo, New York, and then come here, I try to sometimes explain it is very different, like how media works. And and of course, Buffalo is a small market, but same East Coast sort of mentality. Um, and you know, it's just very different to be an athlete in a place like Minnesota versus a place like New York. And that is the guy not built for it. But who among us has not had a giant controversy with someone else's, what, your mom's <laughs> friend or whatever? Like, it's just, it your could happen teammates. No, of course. It's just, that's again, it's just the self-awareness to know, you know, that stuff's going to come out. And, you know, it was funny again at the time, but then it was like, you know, posting on Instagram, oh, what just happened? And like, yeah, that stuff's funny, but usually that stuff's funnier when you've proven stuff in the NFL. Um, you know, I guess it's the opposite, you know, Sam Darnold had the mono and all that stuff, but Sam was more proven in the NFL than, you know, than Zach was at the time. And it just, it's tough. He was a, he was a very polarizing prospect. I know not everyone in the Jets organization was in love with Zach Wilson. I think some were and some weren't, um, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, you redo the draft and I, that clip that went, that tweet that went out, that went viral of, oh, the Jets could add Michael Parsons and Jamar Chase. And, yeah, obviously. But they also didn't have a quarterback on the roster. So that's not really a relevant tweet. That's It's a pretty stupid one in reality. But, yeah, obviously, looking back, you know, if you'd feel better if you had Justin Fields right now, even though I'm not convinced fully by Fields either. But at least if you're looking at the Jets with Fields, you're going, this team could win a playoff game. Um, I still think they get in the playoffs. I think they could beat anybody just because of how good the defense is and the run game and special teams have been generally really good. And they have a lot of weapons. So teams get hot, um, but they were not winning a playoff game with the way Zach was playing um, likely would not have made the playoffs. Um, if Zach continued to play the way he was four touchdowns and, you know, eight or nine starts is uh, ugly or seven or eight starts. I apologize. I think Zach Wilson is a little bit of um, a victim of timing with his draft capital. Cause I remember that the Vikings started that season one and five. So we started screwing around talking about draft prospects and I was listening to BYU games on the radio on an app just to like, cause Zach Wilson was so exciting and fun but I thought he was going to get drafted like 20th or something. Like I, I didn't think he was going to be drafted at the top, but you had Patrick Mahomes and like, we're talking about playmaking quarterbacks and here's a guy making all these crazy throws and stuff. And I think that he just had this groundswell and this momentum. And then it was, now you go to the toughest market, everything and you're, you're way in over your head and you start pretty much with a bad team from the very beginning with a new coach and, you know, what could get you through that is mental toughness, which he clearly does not have. And, I, you know, I think you made a great point, though, that anybody who's drafted in the first round has the arm and, like, the speed or whatever size to be a first-rounder. What usually separates these guys is just the mental stuff. And so, like, the way C.J. Stroud handled losing to Michigan the other day, I was super impressed. I thought that he gave a professional-level po- uh, post-game press conference uh, he didn't blame anybody else. He put it on himself, even though it wasn't his fault at all. I thought he played totally fine. And the defense gave up 17, you know, 50 yard <laughs> touchdowns or whatever. Like, but I thought that's going to work. Like, so, you know, a lot of it comes down to that, but um, there are other aspects of this thing. It is just a super captivating. No, story. it's a crazy story. It's, you know, we, I talked about it. it led every, every NFL talk 
not just my show or not just anybody else that covers the Jets. It was everybody else. It's it's the second overall pick, and we're, and we're talking about eighteen months later. He's you know he might be done in New York. It's it's crazy. And, and you mentioned something about you know C.J. Stroud, all these guys. I know it's been talked about a million times. You're the quarterback. You never take any of the credit. It's always your fault. And I, and sometimes it almost buries you. Like it, I almost felt like Sam Darnold took too much fault at times with the Jets, where he would blame everything on himself. But at the end of the day, when you do do well which eventually most guys have a moment. Zach's had a moment as well. It's all about you. And it's always, it's, you you know, the quarterback, it's all the credit, right? Like it just, I don't know. I, I, you look at some of these other prospects and it is, you know, I wish people would admit when they're wrong on guys. I, I wasn't super high on Zach, but I kind of talked myself into, okay, this makes sense for the jets. Um, A lot of people right now are, we're either, we're that either defended Zach or, had him QB one or QB two in that draft are insufferable right now because they won't admit he's probably wrong. And the other guys who didn't like Zach coming out, you know, taking his victory lap, like, you know, I could do the same thing on a lot of guys, but unfortunately the, the draft's a crapshoot. These teams know it. Um, again, the pro day was really cool and all that stuff. And, you know, Salah's best, you know, best player that he kind of developed and that whole thing with Fred Warner being a BYU guy and all that stuff. It just, it, it probably didn't work here, but, no, maybe the Jets found a gem in Mike White, or they'll be a good. They've built a good enough roster where they are the Vikings or these Broncos, or these teams where the Rams, where they are a good quarterback level away from being a contending level team. And um, I don't know the Jets with Jimmy G or Derek Carr right now. You're probably talking about you know can they win a Super Bowl right now? You're can they get into the playoffs and win a playoff game? So it's just that level of conversation. Yeah, I think you make a great point with the like you really don't know. And it's a great it's a great fraud detector when someone acts like they know, like on uh, Twitter or something. You know, I <laughs> I like to poke draft Twitter pretty consistently because a lot of it's just complete guesswork. And then when they're right, they hold up their trophies. But then when they're wrong, they delete the tweets from the past. It's like, OK, well, you know. Uh, there's 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 really good draft reporting that uh, tells us information about the picks. And then there's people who think that they have some Midas touch for uh, I can pick all the, the quarterbacks successfully. The reality is you really don't know. Uh, and if you're going to tell me that Zach Wilson wasn't an exciting prospect. Oh, BS, because everyone was excited about what he was doing at BYU in that year leading up to the draft. So. I mean, I guess you could go back in hindsight and change it around, but certainly Mitch Trubisky wouldn't get picked uh, high if you were able to do that, or Baker Mayfield wouldn't have gone number one. It would have been Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. So that that speaks to what you're saying is that a lot of it, you can chunk the players into first round, second round, third round, and if somebody does that, I'm I'm totally for it. But if you're going to tell me you know one person over the next, I just don't believe you. But uh, anyway, moving on from that. Let's talk about Justin Jefferson and Sauce Gardner. I mean, what a matchup. This is this is like this is the matchup of the week here. I, I don't know a lot about Sauce Gardner, except for he was a high pick. So tell me about Sauce Gardner. Yeah, from a Sauce Gardner perspective, he's been as impressive as a rookie as you can be. I think he's kind of widely regarded already as a top five, top six corner in football, which to do this quickly is pretty rare. I know Patrick Sertan. Um, you know, kind of did a, had a similar track last year. I actually think, you know, as good as Sertan is, I think Sauce does a few things. You know, he's got maybe better ball skills at this point. He feels like he's got such a knack of timing of when to kind of turn his head, when to get a hand in there, how physical to be, how physical not to be. Um, you know, it feels like Sauce kind of establishes this level of physicality when it comes to, 
you know, with other receivers that, you know, what it might be deep, you know, pass interference to other guys. Sauce kind of gets, you know, he got flagged for one this past weekend, which is crazy because Chase Claypool also like horse collared him as well. Um, and, you know, Sauce kind of, he commented on it the other day, like he's getting that star when he does anything wrong people just instantly, oh, he's overrated, he sucks, which means you've made it. means that people think you're awesome because, um, you know, Justin Jefferson had one bad game this year, and it was like, oh, he's overrated. It's like, eh, not really. Uh, you know, it, it happens to these guys, or, you know, you see the Mahomes, you know, throw one interception, and all of a sudden, Sauce has been fantastic. Um, super long, super fast. His technique's fantastic. He's a smart football player. There's there's not really a hole in his game. Um, I don't know how much we'll see Sauce and Justin Jefferson. Kevin O'Connell obviously does a good job, as anyone listening to this knows. I'm sure we'll see a ton of him in the slot. But Michael Carter, who's the Jets slot corner, is a top you know, 12-grade corner in football right now by PFF. So it's not as if it's really – like the Jets have three of the top 12-graded corners. That's why I said I think they do match up well with Minnesota. Um, you know, the Jets did it to Miami earlier in the year. They've done it to Buffalo. It's like they trust these guys so much that – you know, if Justin Jefferson goes and gets sauce for five for 85 and a touchdown, it probably means the Jets win the football game because it means you would assume that DJ Reed, who's playing at a Pro Bowl level, does a good enough job on Adam Thielen or Michael Carter in the slot's able to hold up well enough and they get pressure with four. So um, I'm excited for this matchup. I hope we get to see it more than more than one or two times. I just think if you're the Jets, sauce isn't going to travel necessarily. Um, they're kind of married to their sides and you know, DJ Reed's a good corner as well. Um, you know, we saw them both do well on Stefan Diggs. That he probably had one of his worst games, in the, you know, of the year. You know, he had the had one early play on Sauce, and they kind of, you know, when he tried to come back to him, and they got him. So, I'm sure Kevin O'Connell's going to move Justin Jefferson around. I'm sure, he's going to kind of create matchups. You don't want, you know, you don't want to obviously get your best guy doubled and tripled. Um, but this is an int- this is a pretty heavyweight matchup of receivers and corners. It's a really good receiver room, and it's a it's probably the best corner room in football. So. Uh, the fact that Sauce is this good this early, as I mentioned, and DJ Reed, who was a really good player last year, I'm really surprised that Seattle didn't pay him. I know Tariq Woolens, you know, worked out, but you could have had both. You didn't have to, didn't have to choose. Um, you know, he's been fantastic. And again, Michael Carter, who was a great find for the Jets, um, you know, on day three a year ago, they, they've been really good. Um, they've they're you know they probably had their worst game of the year uh, last week against the Bears and. Um, you know, they still get up 10 points as a defense. So it's not as if they're, they're they, their bad games are not bad. Uh, but as I mentioned, Sauce is really good. And it's, uh, we'll be interested in how they match up. Justin Jefferson, super long. He's a really good route runner. Sauce, super long player, you know, crazy long arms and stuff like that. Just the makeup speed. So it'll be a good matchup, I, I think. JJ is better right now, probably, than anybody in the sport at his position. But um, Sauce is, is damn close at his as well. Tis the season for you to buy the best Minnesota sports-themed apparel in the world for all of your friends and family. Go to sodastick.com. They have great holiday shopping deals there. And use the promo code INSIDER. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Code INSIDER for all of your holiday shopping. Well, I think, too, for Vikings fans, their biggest concern is probably also Robert Sala, who the last time they saw him, it went very badly in San Francisco in uh, 2019. And for some reason, Sala didn't get a head coaching job after that. I think it took another year for him to get the Jets job. It was like, 
Really? Uh, I think that this guy knows what he's doing. But the concern in San Francisco in 2019, guess what happened? The Vikings offensive line couldn't hold up against the defensive line and they shut down the run and so forth. And that's been the formula to beat the Vikings literally since day one of Kirk Cousins getting here. And that maintains. I mean, last week they were able to slow down the New England rush a little bit and win the game. But against Dallas, they got sacked seven times. And that can happen against a great defensive line. I look at the New York Jets, and it feels like it starts there. I mean, the the corners are terrific. But when a team has every corner playing well all at the same time, I do wonder, okay, is this team really getting after the quarterback? Because, you know, when you see teams that don't pressure the quarterback, a lot of times it impacts those corners and their PFF grades and everything else. So the defensive line, I look at it as a huge mismatch in the favor of the New York Jets here. Yeah, I, I'm, if Christian Darisaw doesn't play, um, which I, it's hard to tell right now, obviously it's concussion, I believe, right? So we won't really know until you know Thursday, Friday. Uh, this is the Vikings. Would, I would I would think will be in trouble. Um, Carl Lawson's been quiet of late, but has had has been productive, and, and he you know he's actually been really good against the run. So John Franklin Myers was a menace last week. He's another good player. Both those guys are more. You know, they're both kind of eight to ten sack a year guys, but really good against the run as well. Very multiple in the way they can play. Bryce Huff is a guy that <laughs> he's got three and a half sacks. I mean, which doesn't sound like a lot. He was inactive the first three weeks, and he strictly rushes on third down. So he's getting pressure. He, when the Jets pressure, it's like near fifty percent when he's on the field, which is ridiculous. Um, he's a explosive, explosive player last week. You know, he's the guy who injured Josh Allen a couple weeks ago. He had massive sack in the week prior um, this past week. He's, you know, he had a sack again against new England. He's been on a bit of a tear here. And when they light up guys up on third down, um, if the jets can stay in third and four plus the Vikings, you know, any team is going to be in trouble against the jets. They've done it to every team this year. I think they had 12 sacks in the two games against the Patriots, which is a quick passing offense. So just to give perspective on like what type of, um, you know, Quentin Quinn Williams is playing at an all pro level. I mean, he's thinking eight and a half sacks. He's the guy that, you know, every week there's two or three plays he makes the green, you know, he's been, he was the defensive player of the month, I believe in October. Um, he's just, he's super talented. It's kind of all come together for him. I'm interested if Sheldon Rankins comes back this week, the pass rush has been at its best when they get, uh, you know, Rankins on early downs, then they'll kick, JFM, John Franklin Myers inside, who's more of a bigger, you know, three tech. And then he'll kind of play, he'll start, he'll kick inside. And then they'll bring in Jermaine Johnson or Bryce Huff. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, a rookie, played nicely as well. There's just a lot of depth. Vinny Curry is like the 12th guy on this defensive line, which is crazy. And uh, Michael Clemens, a guy who's, you know, as, as scary of presence as, you know, you'll see <laughs> his nickname Debo and the whole thing. So their defensive line is really, really good. I tweeted out earlier, I think if you're the Jets, you have to, you know, kind of approach this the way, you know, Philly and Dallas did against the Vikings and just beat up the offensive line, get get to Kirk early, speed up his clock. And then, you know, those deep, long crossers, that play action stuff they like to hit JJ on. It's just it, he might be there and he might be open, but, you know, you force Kirk into one or two of those bad decisions. Um, I really think this game will come down to can the Jets defense limit Thielen, Cook, Hawkinson, those guys where – you know, I feel like when the Vikings are at their best, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, yes, the, the huge 12-catch, 200-yard JJ game is great, but if he's at eight catches, Thielen's at five, Hawkinson's at four or five, Dalvin Cook's up around 100 yards, the offense is working at, you know, a whole different level. Um, if you can make the Vikings one-dimensional from a Jets perspective and just trust your guys at least to contain him somewhat, I think you feel really good. But, yeah, the defense – the Darisaw's health is – 
is paramount. <laughs> I feel like it's paramount. There was a couple of plays that got tweeted out earlier where like just it's not great if he's not playing. And, and, and any team would be. If you're down to your starting tackles, it's not ideal in the NFL, especially without a mobile quote unquote quarterback. Yeah, but, but this team is playing a guy who's essentially never played in the NFL before. So, I mean, this <laughs> yeah, is it's, like it's not great. <laughs> and and what they did against uh, New England was they just moved the pocket all the time. I mean, they were just running. I'm sure you've watched some of it back enough to yeah. see like the, the play actions, bootlegs. And I wrote about uh, how they did that um, just even for today's article, like. They ran play action after play action after play action, and that's the only shot you have to get those deep crossers. But one of the problems with New England was they try they they often chase the run. What we've seen some teams do in the past is just go after Kirk regardless. Like, you know what? If you hand off to Delvin Cook, go ahead. We'll just tackle him five, seven yards down the field. But we are going to blow up those play actions. And if they – and Salah knows. I mean, he knows the weaknesses of Kirk Cousins and, and of this offense. So I think that that matchup should be really scary for the Vikings and, and is, is a great battle really between an offensive-minded Kevin O'Connell who impressed everyone by adapting last week and making big changes in just a couple days uh, coming off the Dallas game, and then Robert Salah who is – just got a great history now of coaching these these awesome defenses. So I have a a quick now you know I had the quarterback trivia for you before, so I've got another one prepared. Uh, but before we get to that, who do you think wins this football contest between two football teams on a football field? Yeah, no. So uh, it's interesting you mentioned that. I'm really curious how how Minnesota starts. Um, the Jets are a team that's played really well from behind this year. They play well with a lead as well, but you know, they feel like a team that, you know, they get down early, they don't panic. Even, you know, the Bills game, they're down 14-3. There's, you know, obviously everyone knows about the Cleveland game. Even early on in the Green Bay game, they didn't start great. Again, they started really well with Mike White. So I don't – it could be a more of a Zach Wilson thing. I, it's hard to really tell there. It's, you know, that will only – time will tell from an evidence perspective. But it feels like Minnesota's either – they're either going to win a close game or the two games they've gotten kind of smoked and it's been over pretty quickly. It's like it, – at least it's just from an outside point of view watching them – feels like when they start pretty quickly, like they'll be in the game and they'll have give themselves a chance. Obviously the Buffalo game is a little different. Um, who do I think? Went to, I, I'm leaning Jets 28, 24. That's kind of like what, that's what I've, that's what I'm leaning towards. I just, it's hard. I have a hard time like seeing this game really be a 13 to 10 game. I just think that the Vikings have too much talent on offense. And I think, uh, I mean, the Jets and the Jets have too much talent on defense to give up, you know, to give up 28, maybe not. Uh, but the Vikings, you know, the Jets defense holding them to 10 either. I don't see that necessarily. Um, I think this would be a close game. I think these are two teams that, you know, both should be playoff teams. The Vikings obviously can clinch, you know, the division this weekend, um, which would be impressive, obviously, this early. It should be great for them getting guys healthy. But I just have a weird feeling the Jets match up well enough and they get enough pressure on Kirk Cousins. They force maybe one or two of those head-scratching decisions where you're like, Kirk, what are you doing, buddy? And, you know, and, and the Vikings are able to kind of go, okay, if we get healthy here, we know we can kind of be anybody. Um, and if we lose, you know, if our three losses are three teams that have eight-plus wins already, like, we'll be okay. So I'll go 28-24 Jets. Um, but I'm not like – I just feel like it's hard. This is a hard game. It feels like a coin flip personally um, when you look at everything. I agree. I'm going to lean slightly toward the Jets only because I just think they have the kryptonite for the Vikings. But uh, the way things have adapted, TJ Hawkinson's role in this team, it's a little bit different than uh, even where they were early in the year. Okay, so here's your quick Jets trivia. Uh, Garrett Wilson has impressed the heck out of me. I think he looks like a superstar level player as long as someone can throw the ball in his general direction. 
There have uh, not been a lot of superstars at that position wide receiver for the Jets no. in recent years. In fact, since 2010, the Jets have had 10 different leading receivers. Obviously, Garrett Wilson is one. How many of the other nine leading Jets receivers in yardage for a season uh, since 2010 can you name? Brandon Marshall, I'll go with because it's the easy 2015 one. Go Robbie Anderson and somewhere in there. Uh, yep, 2017 and 2018. Okay, that's correct. So I've got 2015, 2017, 2018. That's he's 2016. Brandon Marshall too, or no? There's somebody else. Uh, no, it's not. I was Eric surprised. Decker. No, it's not Eric Decker, is it? Uh, Eric Decker is 2014, 20, so he's okay. on the list. That's correct. Uh, we'll go Santonio Holmes since since 2010. No, uh, no, Santonio Holmes. Okay. I'm going to tell you the truth. The guy who led them in 2016, I don't remember how to pronounce his name because he like lasted so Quincy, short. In Quincy Inunua. Yes. 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 Okay. That's right. right. There we go. Um, since okay, so last year, Elijah Moore, I believe, led them yep. last year. Yep. Year before, hold on, let me just process uh, a former this. Kirk wide receiver okay. led them two years in a row, which is just like what? Yeah. Wow. Like. Hold on, let me. I just got to think about this in my head right now. Who Sam Darnold was throwing footballs to? Let's what say if you were in New England and you were having a soup. Uh, why can't I think of this? Wow. Um, it would, oh, it would, Jameson Crowder. Jameson yeah, Crowder. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It would be a uh, chowder Jameson, order. Yeah, Jameson Crowder. All right. Um, so you only need uh, you need three more, and I'm we're going, going back 11, 11, 12, 13, or. Somewhere, or yeah, 2010 and then through Dustin Keller. Dustin Keller maybe gets in there. No, that's correct. Dustin yeah. Keller, okay. With 815 uh, yards. Ugh, that two, was it 2010? 2010. Plexico Burris, did he lead them in 20, 2011? You're, you're sort of like in the same in the same ballpark as someone who was good with another team and then had a year. Braylon Edwards, maybe. Correct. Yes. yes. Braylon Edwards. All right. So okay. you're one away. 2012 12 and 13 same guy led the uh the 29th ranked scoring this, offense this is this team is so bad um <laughs> wow hold on i gotta i gotta think here who would have led that you, you can do it this guy he had a moment he had a moment um let's see the opposite of um like what your hair is this guy's hair would be yours is straight his is uh, oh, Jeremy Curley, <laughs> yeah, dude! Oh, what a what a disaster that team was. Twenty thirteen Jets, awful. Well, you know the Vikings—they've just had Randy Moss, Chris Carter, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson. I thought, so I thought your two trivia questions either were going to be Jets twelve hundred plus yard receivers, which there's only five of ever in the franchise history, or who was the last Jet to go over a thousand yards, which was Brandon Marshall. Um, wow. Yeah, the other one, the other answer to that trivia question is Brandon Marshall, Lavernius Coles, Don Maynard, and I think that's it. Maybe Keyshawn once. That's it, which is their whole franchise. <laughs> Awful. Lavernius Coles was great on Madden. I loved using him on yeah, the early. He was good on Madden. Madden. Unfortunately, um, it's not exactly the the number one receiver I'd be looking for. <laughs> Well, it's quite a Jets history, and every time you come on, I'll make fun of it. Uh, but your breakdown of this game is tremendous. Will Thank Parkinson, you. turn on the Jets. I really appreciate your time, man. And, uh, well, maybe we could do it again to preview the Super Bowl. That'd be great. Jets-Vikings yeah. Super Bowl Part 2. Let's, uh, let's do it. That'd be fun. All right. Thanks for your time, Will. Thank you.